The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, we're going to talk a little bit tonight on uh, gates. We're going to talk about gates tonight, just gates. Now, tonight will really be an introductory course in this, and we're going to probably, we'll probably jump here and there and uh, kind of get muddled somewhere in the middle, but we're going to do what we can do with this subject tonight. Now, I want to tell you, I want to tell you that after we get through tonight, we're going to take communion, and we're going to receive communion of the Lord Jesus Christ to our hearts. I think it's very important the first Wednesday of the month that we do this. And uh, don't think the rapture has taken place. It still is summer, folks. It's still summer. And, uh, and I promise you, you that are here tonight will go when the trumpet sounds. I promise that because if you love church on Wednesday night, <laughs> you'll go. Uh, the Lord's getting your chariot ready. He really, really is. Everybody say Gates. We're going to talk about Yates tonight and uh, not Bill. We're going to talk about Yates tonight. Just remain standing for just a moment. Genesis 22 said that in blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants. God speaking to Abraham as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Genesis 28, Jacob was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Matthew 16, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John Baptist, others Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ. The Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, rock, And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Gates. Gates tonight. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. Everybody say, Pastor, teach the word to us tonight. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Teach the word to us tonight. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Teach the word to us tonight. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. Clap your hands and rejoice in that right now. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, friend. There's a story about a, a poor guy who died. And much to his surprise, he was sentenced not to heaven, but to Satan's domain, that other place. 
And before he was admitted, however, he was interviewed by Satan himself. It's pretty bad down there, isn't it? Said the man. Not at all, said Satan. You're surrounded by people who know how to enjoy each day. And they have a time every day in hell. In fact, we have a theme. Monday, for example, is party day. We party all around the clock. Tuesday is uh, Tuesday's alcohol day. We have an open bar. Take all you want, drink all you want, get as drunk as you like. Wednesday is drug day, the finest cocaine, heroin, meth. You can't believe how great Wednesday is. And the guy begins to brighten up and he says, I'm sold, let me in. They let him in the gate and he promptly falls into a fiery pit where he's prodded by a nasty looking thing with pitchfork. Hey, he cried, what happened to those theme days? Oh, today is Thursday, Satan laughs. Thursdays we tell lies. <laughs> so I guess if you expect Satan to tell you the truth, you're in for a rude surprise. I want to say tonight, heaven is for real. So is the other place. Hell is for real. That's quite a way to start a Wednesday night Bible study, isn't it? I would like to tonight to rekindle, restir, reignite the apostles' anointing in our minds and in our hearts. We must not become a stationary church or stagnant. Genesis 28 talks about Jacob going to a place called Luz. And he calls it the house of God the gate of heaven. But when he got there, it was Luz, which means a dry place. When he anointed it, when he anointed it, it became Bethel, the house of God. The house of God has to have a special anointing to become more than just a dry place. Say it with me. The house of God, house of God is the gate of heaven. And all these verses that I've read tonight, I have read have to do with gates. We are or should be moving beyond what I call survival mode to the possessing mode of the church. Everybody say it's time to leave survival mode. It's time to go to possessing mode of the church. It's taken us 2,000 years to get here, two millenniums. Now we're on the third millennium, 17 years into it, moving toward completion Perfection with Christ. Amen. The church needs to come out of its survival mode, which is based mostly on keeping us saved. And I have to apologize to the church because much of my preaching in my life have been to that, to encourage people to stay on the salvation train. Salvation is based on survival. That is when we go to church every week and hear what it takes to be saved and how to stay saved. Not that we don't need to be saved. There's not a problem with that, but when we understand only salvation, we spend our life surviving, trying to be saved and trying to stay saved. The church I was raised in gave an altar call every Sunday night, and you had to go down and get saved all over again. It was a salvation church every Sunday night. Sunday morning, they didn't give an altar call. Sunday night, everybody came down and prayed through again. It was a salvation church. God wants to take the church into the position and posture of possessing what is before us. Not just saving us from our past, but possessing something in our present and seeing something that we can possess in our future. Can you say amen? amen. But trying to get a little heaven right here on earth 
trying to get a little heaven right here. Not trying to get a little cabin in the corner of glory, but trying to get a little glory in our cabin right now. God wants us to possess the kingdom of God. Say hallelujah. I wrote it in my notes. Hallelujah. I read about a pastor not long ago who was invited to take the helm of a battleship. And he stood on this massive ship and he looked out at all of the sailors. And then an order came for all the sailors to assume their battle stations. And immediately sailors were scurrying around on the deck of that ship to find their place. Finally they all stood at their post. And the pastor looked over these 800 sailors as though he were their captain. And he was amazed that each of them knew exactly where they should be, what they should do, and when they should do it. And a few weeks later, he had the pleasure of being on a ship again, this time on a cruise ship. And he walked around the different decks, and he started thinking about the difference between his experience on a battleship and on a cruise ship. And I want you to take a moment to contrast the difference between the two, battleship versus cruise ship, and you ask why, for this reason. There are many church people who think their church is a cruise ship when Jesus Christ called them to be on a battleship. There are people who think church is about having their own personal needs met, their needs for fellowship, their needs for worship, their needs for spiritual growth and comfort, and that is all great, and we do that. And if our cruise ship doesn't measure up, then they'll just look for one that does measure up. And these are people who simply come to church. But there's a huge difference between coming to church and being the church. Oh, I want to talk to you tonight. Amen. People that are the church take a whole different attitude. Instead of looking at the church as a place where you can get your needs met, you begin to look at a church as a place where you can meet the needs of others. Those whom Christ died for, those who are oppressed, those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, those who are hurt physically and spiritually, and those who are lonely and in pain, the church should be the ministering angel agent to those people. Suddenly the cruise ship becomes a battleship, and the enemies are not the people in the church, but the enemies are the forces of death and decay and destruction in our world. Clap your hands and rejoice to that, because we want to move forward. Everybody say, not survival, but possession in the name of the Lord. God wants us to possess, folks, the land. God wants us to possess the gates of our enemy. To do this, it takes some understanding. Number one, the gates are access. There are access. In Bible times, gates controlled what came into the city and went out of the city. Someone controlled the gates. Jericho speaks of the closing of the gates. They would blow a horn 30 minutes before the gate was closed. And then after 30 minutes, somebody would call the gate to be closed. So someone controlled the gates. They were called gatekeepers who watched and controlled the gates, who had access, who governed what came in and what went out. We need to understand that in a spiritual context tonight. It is the people of God that determine what spirits come in to a community or a city or a church. We do this by possessing the gates. The people of God can determine the spiritual climate of a city. We do this by possessing the gates. By disallowing some spirits that want access to the house of God. 
by disallowing things that we know will destroy and devour the house of God. And they do this by binding and by loosing certain spirits in our world. There are some things that have to be bound. And there are some things that have to be loosed. And in the name of Jesus, we must know the difference of what needs to be bound and what needs to be loosed in our world. God, give our church a possessing power in this hour. We must have it. The Great Wall of China was massive and it was awesome and it was never to be penetrated. But you know what happened, don't you? The gatekeepers were bribed. We must be agents of the gate that understand that there's things that we cannot allow to become a part and parcel of the church of the living God. I know it sounds like old-fashioned holiness preaching, but God give us a spirit of rightness in our spirit and our hearts. The church is the agent of the kingdom. We have the power to release certain anointings. We are the agent. We're the business agent of the church, if you please. Proverbs 24 and 5 says, a wise man is strong. Say, a wise man is strong. And a man of knowledge increaseth strength. Say, a man of knowledge gets stronger. The kingdom of darkness does not give up its prisoners easily. It does not relinquish its territory lightly. The kingdom of darkness is depicted as a strong man guarding his territory. And if you're going to take his house, you must first bind the strong man. But when those with authority and greater power come together in what is known as the church, as the church, the church becomes the agent of the kingdom to enforce the will of God in a community and in a city. I want to tell you, the lights will still shine in South Austin as long as the lights shine at Christian Life Church. The anointing will still flow down the streets of our city as long as there's an anointing in this house. It cannot become a dry place. It must be an anointed place, a place that turns this place from Luz to Bethel, the house of God, which is the gateway of heaven. Amen. Amen. Woo, I feel the Lord here tonight. It's not the purpose of the church to be a social club for bored Christians. It's not the purpose of the church to be a dating club for the socially challenged. It's not the purpose of the church to organize your social calendar or to provide you with sporting events or to make sure you get all the Bible lessons you'll ever need. The church has been established by the Lord Jesus Christ so that he could put the keys somewhere. Oh, I wish I had my keys. I meant to bring them tonight. He didn't give those keys to a man. He gave those keys to the church. And whatever we bind will be bound. And whatever we loose will be loosed. There is power in the church of the living God. Where there's an anointing, there is power. And the anointing destroys the yoke of the world. In fact, right now, I just feel like sending out some anointing right now. Do you feel it? I just feel like sending out some anointing. God, I want you to touch some drug addicts in this city right now. I want you to touch some alcoholics in the bars right now. I send anointing those places. I send anointing out because, God, you can do anything. This is an anointed church with an anointed mission. We have anointed purpose in our life. I send out the anointing from the house of God here tonight. In the name, in the name of the Lord. The authority to the kingdom rests with those who are a part of the church. 
Raise your hand and say, I'm a part of the church. Amen. Folks, the church is predestined. It's predestined. It's going to win. To those, he said, whatsoever you bind will be bound. Whatsoever you loose will be loose. I love that Matthew 6, 16, 19. You can be a believer, folks, and have no authority in the kingdom. I'm trying to see how far I have to go to see if I can locate some of you. You can be a believer and be defeated. There are some who can see the kingdom but have no authority, and yet they are born again. Because except a man be born again, he can't even see the kingdom. Now remember, the house of God is the gate of heaven. That means whatever is in heaven flows from the throne of God into the church. Since the church is the gate of heaven. Amen. And if you're disconnected from the church, you don't have access to the gate of heaven. You have relationship, but you don't have fellowship. You need to be connected to something greater than just your own personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. That's why the Lord said in Malachi to bring the tithe to the storehouse. I'm not teaching on tithes. And God will open a window of heaven and pour out a blessing that will be so big there will be no room for it. It's an overflow blessing. It's an over. How many of you folks have found that out that God just overflows you when you bless Him? So if you're not tithing into a local church, you're not living under the open heaven of God. And you can't out tight fist God and you can't out open hand God. God wants you to live under an open heaven. And you need to find a place, wherever it is, you need to find a place to support the kingdom of God. Because this is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. There's a place where God comes down and dwells among his people. I know it sounds like COC is I'm preaching, but I'm preaching to a church tonight that I believe is an anointed church. Matthew, Malachi 3 and 11 says, and I'll rebuke the devourer. Oh, I love that. I'll say, get out of here, devourer. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before its time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Woo! Get out of here. Your tires will run longer. The tread will last longer. You won't have as many flats. Praise God, not any blowouts. Amen. Your engine will keep running. After you've run 10,000 miles on the oil, you won't run it down. Because God loves a cheerful giver to the house. Understand, I'm not preaching about tithing, but I'm preaching about gates. And things that open gates open heaven and gives us access. When Israel got into false worship in the Old Testament, they would build high places. And they'd build groves where they would go and worship their false gods. And they disconnected themselves from corporate anointing. And when the new king came to a throne, the Bible said, and he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, what he would do, he would tear down the high places. He had cut down the groves and then the Bible said God had already established that worship is to take place in the central sanctuary. The king said you should come out of your place of the groves and the high places to a central place of worship in Jerusalem where God has put his name. 
Don't worry about Dan and Beersheba. Come on to the house of God. I know it's a drive for some people, but you need to show up in the house of God. There's something about corporate, oh my Lord, corporate anointing that absolutely takes you to another level in all. You can be out there by yourself and say, I don't think I can make it, but you walk in here and you feel the worship and you feel the praise and you hear the singing and you leave here saying, I can do this thing called life. I can make this thing work in my life. Come on, clap your hands real big. There's something about corporate anointing. So 2 Chronicles chapter 7 says this, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house. That's what God is saying. That my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. That's what God said about his house. And I want God to say that about this house. I don't want this to be a dry place. I don't want this to become a secret sensitive church. I want this to be a Holy Ghost church. I want us to be a place where the Holy Ghost still touches people's lives. Where healing is here. And deliverance is in the house. And the Holy Ghost still operates. And people still talk in another language as the Spirit gives the utterance. And I want God to do a great big work in this house. Amen? Amen? Clap your hands real big and rejoice because I'm just getting started real good on what I want to say. There's a reason the church is so important. It's the house of God. It's the gate of heaven. This church, folks, is built on a revelation. Now stay with me. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is God in the flesh. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven revealed that to you. I'm teaching about revelation and we try to make it sometimes information. The church is not built on information. Flesh and, ooh, hallelujah. Flesh and blood did not reveal this. We're, we keep trying to take the church from what Jesus intended it to be, and that is a place of revelation, not a place of information. I know I'm driving it in the ground. If you don't have a revelation, you can still study the Bible as poetry and prose and rhyme and literature and history and dissect in Hebrew and Greek and appreciate on many levels and know all the six, six books, but it will not bring life until you receive a spirit of revelation in the book. Mm. Jesus said the spirit gives life. John six sixty three said it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Everybody say flesh, yes. prophets, prophets, nothing. nothing. Say nothing. nothing. If all you get is information and not revelation, I'm not speaking to your mind. I'm trying to activate something in your spirit here tonight. When you hear truth spoken, let me preach to you, your mouth gives it life. When you say amen, so be it. Side note, our verbal worship gives life to the word that's preached to our heart. Every now and then you got to say an amen if you want something to come into your spirit. You got to say, let it be, Lord, so be it. You got to say hallelujah because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18 and 21. Hear me, when the word is preached, something's got to activate in you. 
Because if you receive what I'm saying by faith tonight, all of a sudden this thing is going to become live to you. It's going to become alive and great and mighty and powerful and Mount Everest type because God wants you to come alive with the Word. This is not just prose and poetry. It's not just something written. It is the living Word of Almighty God. It's the Word. Nothing like the Word. Everybody say the church is a place of unveiling. When you hear truth spoken, your mouth gives birth to it. Establish it with your worship. You don't need to miss moments of birthing in your life. You've got to birth this thing. So we have learned to be more spiritual. We have to learn to be more spiritual than cerebral. Because cerebral people only listen and they don't receive it. Because worship gives birth receiving the word of God amen there has to be an anointing in your life and it has to be anointing from the pulpit and when those anointings join there's something powerful happening have you ever heard something and you just knew it was right but you didn't know why you just knew that you knew that you knew you ever done that God, God's not arrived at folks he's not a math problem that you just kind of figure out he's a revelation so the church is built on a revelation. We're not built on musical talent, although we love our musical talent, nor the ability or charisma of a pastor, although we love our pastor, don't we? <laughs> or all the wonderful people. We're not built on that, but a revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Man, that's powerful. To me, that's powerful. That means everything to me. If you, get, you can get that, you'll be on a rock and you'll be unshakable. And you can stand in your city and stop the hand of the enemy and release the anointing of Almighty God on your family. You've got to get that. You've got to get that. See, God put the keys in the hands of the church. I'm going to say it again. You can loose and it'll be loosed. You can bind and it'll be bound. Even the Bible said that a pastor can remit and sins will be remitted. He can retain and they'll be retained. You know what kind of pastor you got in this pulpit? You got a pastor that remits sin. I remit it. I don't want sin to hang over your head. I want you to be able to walk in this door and feel forgiveness in your life. I want you to walk out of here feeling like the grace of God is going with you. Nobody in this pulpit is going to retain your sins and hold them against you because God didn't hold them against us. He died for all of us. Amen. And so I want you to understand that the church can loose and bind. The pastor can remit and retain. And I'm here to tell you, your sins are remitted in Jesus' name. When I preach this gospel, receive it, amen it. Say, God, let it flow in my life. Cleanse my heart. The Bible said we're washed by the water of the Word. There's nothing greater than the Word of God washing our souls and flowing over us like a fountain and washing our dirtiness and washing our filth off of us. There's power in the preached Word of God Almighty. Amen. Amen. God says we have the authority to possess the gate of the enemy. Wow. Control access. Keys represent authority and sometimes secret things like a key to something. It's given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Luke 8 says this. 
And he said to his disciples, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those, when they hear, receive their word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time temptation they fall away. Now the ones who fail among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fail on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. I'm here to declare to you that the mysteries of God are for the church of the living God. We are to possess the gates of the enemy. I'm almost done. The church is the key to the secret things of God. There are keys of understanding and access to certain things in the kingdom. You don't unlock every door with the same key. And yet the church keeps going at different obstacles with the same key. We're facing 2017 things with a 1920 key. So the church is about equipping you with keys of revelation so you can cause damage to the kingdom of darkness and run the enemy out of your house, out of your job, out of your situation. The Bible said resist him and he will flee. Can I just talk a little bit? I don't, I don't, I don't talk a lot about him. But it's not the will of God for you to be messing around and saying the devil's wearing you out. He can't wear out a child of God. He can't curse what God has blessed. You need to resist him. You need to look at him and say, slew foot, whatever you want to call him. Some of y'all probably use words pretty bad. You wouldn't want to put that on Facebook. But whatever you call him, call him whatever you want to call him, but tell him where he can go and how fast he can get there. And tell him not to be talking about your past because you're going to tell him about his future. I like that. <laughs> Come on, somebody needs to understand that you resist him and he will flee. Amen. Most of the time in churches is spent dealing with weaknesses in our life to the point that we don't spend much time on strengths. Larry Bird was a great shooter in the NBA, and he always said, I never practiced my weaknesses. I always practiced my strengths because I knew I couldn't jump. I knew I couldn't run. In fact, they didn't even think he'd play in the NBA. But he's pretty good, wasn't he? Because he had some strengths, and he practiced. We spend many services praying for the weak, pouring oil on the weak, and there's nothing wrong with that. We don't preach to the strong for fear that the weak might be offended. So many times we make calls to the weak throughout the week, making sure they're not too weak. The Bible says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears and let the weak say, I am strong. We're going to have a little drill now. It's time. It's time. We'll have a little drill now. Y'all ready? I don't care if you're weak or strong because I don't want anybody to feel weak tonight and be hollering out. And somebody said, wow, I didn't know this week. So everybody's going to get involved, okay? Everybody said, I'm going to beat my pruning hooks into, into swords. Amen. My plowshares. And I'm going, to, I'm going to beat my pruning hooks into spears. And I'm going to say this. Are you ready? I am strong. 
Say it again. I am strong. I am strong. Do you really believe that? Do you believe that you and God are a majority? Do you believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you? Do you believe there's nothing set before you that you can't overcome and get around and go through because God is with you and if God be for you, who can be against you? Do you really believe that? I'm not trying to get a row out of you. I'm trying to make you say, I am strong. I can do this thing. I can make it work. It will work. And I will overcome. Say it with your mouth. Give birth to your strength. There's power of life and death in that tongue. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. I am strong. I can make it tomorrow. I can do Friday. I can do Saturday. I can come to church not having to be fixed up and propped up again. I can do this thing called life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need a haircut. But I got to feel a little Samson spirit there when I touched my head there. Woo. There's a little old boy in this church about this big. Spencer and Erica's little boy. And his uncle, I mean his grandpa, Richard, our, our head usher, the other day, he brought that kid by me. His name's Robert. He said, Robbie, do pastor. And he goes. <laughs> that kid is not big enough to understand that. Somebody's been making fun of me behind my back. <laughs> I'm feeling something right now. I'm telling you. Everybody say, let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Psalm 61, 68 and 1 says, Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those also who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish at the presence of God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice exceedingly. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds by his name, Yah, and rejoice before him. Can anybody get happy because you have a God that has given the keys of the kingdom to the church? Amen. So here's what I want you to do. When, when hell sends darts against you, when hell sends all that stuff against you, say, I'm in a church that is built on a revelation that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, the Son of God. And that church has got your number. And if you don't get out here, I'm going to dial it. And we're going to send a whole army of angels against you. It's time for this church to start possessing and not just live in survival. Are you with me? Let me close here. Let me close. Let me close. Let me close. Don't focus on your weakness. Quit telling God how big your mountain is and start telling your mountain how big God is. So God gives us keys, but we allow the culture, principalities, and powers to push us back behind the gate. We want to be accepted by the culture rather than change the culture. We want to link up with the city rather than turn the city upside down with Holy Ghost 
revival. I'm talking about spirits that have come into the gates. But where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I'm not standing here tonight apologizing for breathing air on this planet, folks. Not doing it. I'm a possessor. I'm going to get back what the devil has stole from the church. This church will leave here on high notes and singing the victory song. Everybody say, Pastor. How's the building going? Glad you asked. Meeting tomorrow. Architects want to be here. We're excited. Civil engineers tied up with us. We're excited about that. We're fixing to turn this church, remodel it to a beautiful, beautiful 1,600-seat sanctuary. It's going to be an incredible time. No balconies, stadium seating. Hallelujah. And if I put you in a stadium, I expect you to roar. Amen. Somebody's got to keep the praise line open. Come on. Somebody's got to preach the worship line open. Somebody's got to say hallelujah. Somebody's got to call the name of the Lord. Come on. Clap your hands, everybody. Rejoice. Somebody. Somewhere has got to be the church that is the gate of heaven. We've got pastors and preachers that have turned into motivational speakers. Trying to make the gospel a commercial product. Trying to close the deal. But I will tell you this. This is a church that is built on a revelation, not information. And we will declare the name of the Lord in this house. We will declare the name of the Lord in this house. We will declare the name of the Lord in this house. Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about apostles and prophets. We're going to talk about some neat stuff next week. Because, you know, apostles, I'm going to give you a little preview. Apostles are what started the churches in the, in the Bible. That's it, a military term, and we're going to talk about that. But I believe with all my heart that there are still men who are church starters, and there are still prophets that speak the word of God. And I believe the five-fold ministry can't be hovered down into a three-on-three. It's still a five-fold ministry. When Elijah saw the, the cloud the size of a man's hand, he knew the revival was coming. A man's hand has five fingers, five digits. And I'm telling you, God is going to put the kingdom back together and the ministry in its proper position. And we're going to see an end-time revival like you have never witnessed in your life. God's good. Everybody say, God's good. He's an awesome God. Turn to somebody and say, well, I enjoyed pastor tonight. Whether he knew that or not, I enjoyed that. All right, all right. Brother Randy, if you'll come. Amen. Wow.